Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, put down the popcorn, peanuts, whatever you're snacking on. This is Larry Charles, one half of the Game Dev Unchained podcast. Number one podcast for game developers and the lifestyle thereof. I promise you, I've been saying it every week and I've been right. Thanks for listening. Uh, Helping me bring this podcast to you is the only person I know to successfully beat Spider-Man the game and all the DLC in one life. Mr. Brandon Pham. What's up, everybody? I just got off, and I just finished, and I am here to help bring you this episode of Game Dev Unchained. Along with me, a special guest, Dave Mervick. Hey, good morning. Hey. Welcome. Hello. <laughs> How's it going? going on? Yeah. Where are you joining us, by the way? Where from? Yeah, uh, like the south of Sweden. Oh. I- man. I work from home a, a few days a week, so I'm I'm out in a place called Weberod. Oh, nice! She's like out in the woods. That's super, I, I wouldn't even ask Weberod. how to spell that. <laughs> just just with some letters. Yeah. <laughs> I'm assume you said words. Yeah, just pick some letters. So this is the part of the podcast, Dave, that we ask our guests, such as yourself, a little bit about your background, where you're from, where you are, where you're heading, to give mm-hmm. some context to our listeners out there about who they're listening to right now okay uh i am from well i'm from uh liverpool is a place you probably will have heard of i'm from a place like near there and uh, i've uh been in the industry since 2001 september 10th um a place called warthog in manchester which doesn't exist anymore but I, I was a tester there for like three and a half years. Mm-hmm. Thanks to me, brother. <laughs> yeah, I, I came out with no idea what to do with my life out of, out of college. So like he said, uh, I've got a cool job. And he was like a designer mm-hmm. called Star Lancer. Mm-hmm. So he got me like two weeks work experience there. And that stretched out to like three and a half years. Hey. That's it. Like I, I, I went to uh, Traveler's Tales working on a bunch of Lego games. Um, and then when I met my wife working on a rally game, rally championship uh, out in Helsingborg. So that was my first meeting with Sweden uh, and the first meeting with my wife. And then, uh, yeah, we moved to Malmö and that's where we find, found Tasha. So I've been there for almost nine years, which is terrifying. I've never been anywhere for three and a half, more than three and a half years. So something's well. <laughs> Man, that's that's a good story. I wish I would, you know, meet my wife in general ever. <laughs> but let alone meet a wife. That's two steps up on me. You got just 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 go up to everyone when you meet and say, "Are you my wife?" Lightest, <laughs> <laughs> <Lysus>, honest. <laughs> if they look you just, terrified, you just need one. You just need one. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Yeah. And so, where where are you right now? What studio are you at right now? Uh, Tasha, Tasha Studios, Tasha Studios, and they're known yeah. for uh, what games? Uh, I well, I don't know if we're known really. I think <laughs> in our little bubble, we're known for like Little Nightmares uh, and and less known for Static, which is like a, a game we made for PSVR. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we also worked on uh, Little Big Planet Vita, mm. and then helped out on Little Big Planet Two, Little Big Planet Three. Way back on Little Planet One, and then Ragdoll Kung Fu Fist of Plastic, which is where the guys first got in touch with Media Molecule. So uh, I see. So yeah, but Static and Little Nightmares are the are our two first games that we we made all of our all on our own. 
Nice. You're there for the entirety of both projects, right? Or at least, uh, yeah, I was. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. Because yeah. Little Nightmares yeah. actually picked up a lot of acclaim online. I know a lot of people talked about it. The setting and ambiance and the art direction very memorable, sir. Yeah. So congrats to your team and crew over there. Yeah, I've got an amazing art team. So yeah, I think they've been uh, chomping at the bit really to kind of show what they can do. You know, because you could see if you did ever play uh, Little Big Planet Vita. You could see that they, 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 there was something they wanted to kind of mm-hmm. show, but you you can't kind of flex too much. I mean, Little Big Planet is is what it is like, but uh, they, those characters got a bit creepy. <laughs> Sorry, you, you said a console. I'm not familiar with Vita. What's what's a Vita? Yeah, yeah, it was. They just discontinued the Vita, actually. So. Yeah, it was like the less popular Game Gear. <laughs> <laughs> it's the nintendo um, switch before they knew how to market it yeah exactly. vita, yeah seriously i actually do like the vita i like both of them i had a good time with both yeah so i agree totally but you've got to give it some shit as well don't you yeah yeah it's yeah. only totally fair <laughs> so little nightmares you're being humble but when i saw it for the first time it was very groundbreaking it was, it was visually striking in the context in the narr- uh, the narratives elements about it was very uh enticing so how long did you guys have that cooking before you went in production uh i mean that specific idea maybe like a year or two we've been like slowly brewing on you know the kind of thing that we could do and the kind of place and what it would mean and all that sort of stuff but um i mean I don't know if you know, like way, way, way back when the company was first created, it was, it was like, I think like 10 students, mm. way, way too ambitious, but, but skilled enough to fool people that they could pull that off, if you know what I mean. Yeah. They went to E3 with a prototype called City of Metronome mm. and it knocked everyone's socks off. They were like that, ooh, we need this, we need this, we need this. But no one actually, you know, went to that, that final stage and kind of gave them money to make it and the game would have been huge and there was 10 students let me ask this you know devil's advocate now the team has money there's still opportunity i'm assuming is there any chance you can go back and revisit Ring button. Oh. Ah. Ah. <laughs> postmates is here <laughs> um yeah we, we get asked that now and again, which is it's that flattering. It's nice that people even know it. I mean, it's probably because I've told that story so many times. People now know it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's like, I don't know. I, I think, for me, I think of it like a, like a poison chalice. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Back then, I mean, it's the reason I, I found Tasha and I was desperate to work for them. I was like, I am, I am in, in the shit that you guys want to make, you know? Mm-hmm. But, uh, Maybe your idea of something is is better, and and you shouldn't make it. It had its time. It had its chance. Mm-hmm. We went and made it. Now, then maybe all those people that kind of have their idea of what it could be would be disappointed. I don't know. I just feel like we've gone from there. When I look back at that at that prototype, I think it was cool back then. But maybe now it would need to be a completely different game, or maybe that that was little nightmares. Yeah. You know I mean? kind of Little Nightmares is a totally, is totally different game, but you still, it's the same people that made it. Mm. But 
this is where they are now. A lot darker and more depressed. <laughs> <laughs> How big was the team for Little Nightmares, if you don't mind me asking? Uh, about maybe like 20 people. Oh, wow. So well, it's like a true indie title then. Yeah, yeah I mean, yeah. We're, we're, I mean, we work, work with Bandai on it. So, we, I mean, you know, we, we can't claim indie on, in that respect. But, uh, yeah, I mean, we were a small team and the team worked dead hard on it, though. I mean, it, 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 there's a lot of people kind of got close to burnout on that because, you know, no one at Tasha really is and let things go they can't say this is good enough right. which is good and bad i think it's really really inspiring to work with people who who won't just say this will do now i'm going to go home and watch uh, hbo or whatever <laughs> but, right. you know, they, they, there was people just sleeping in the office Ooh. day after day after day not because they were being forced to they were kind of it was their own kind of compulsion so uh but yeah, it's uh, it was a small team considering. Yeah, what what came out was uh, was pretty impressive. I think. So I when you guys first went into working on that game, I'm I'm not assuming that your team was like, yeah, it's going to be so successful. It's going to lead to you know interviews, going to lead to awards, it's going to lead to X Y Z. I guess what was the glimmer of hope that like, all right, guys, we're doing this. You know, we're excited. Did you see? any of the success coming did you see any of the profitability or i guess (laughs) did you have a feeling from the initial design or are you happy that this is the result but you know had no idea that it would achieve this uh you you don't know swedish people do you no No, they have got like zero ego (laughs) i'm I'm not i'm not strictly swedish so i can find a wife in sweden it sounds like (laughs) no i mean uh (laughs) <laughs> but it's uh, just uh, like I say are you my wife yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, no I mean honestly you, you always hope um, and like when we were we were like maybe four or five people in the very beginning who were talking about this idea like I say just like oh, that'd be cool wouldn't it you know mm. wouldn't, wouldn't it be amazing if, you, if, if uh, we made a game where people kind of just had to figure it out for themselves and we we didn't tell them what the story was, blah, 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 and all this. Mm-hmm. And it became the Hunger uh, teaser trailer, and then it became the prototype, and blah, 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 blah. At no point were we like that. This is going to sell a million copies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Good. It's just, you just don't... I, anyone that says that, I don't want to know those people, because, I mean... Publishers? Like, it's that way. Oh, it's publishers. <laughs> isn't it? I mean, publishers have to think that way. Yeah. But like as a developer, if you're thinking about I want to make a game that sells a million copies, your focus is in the wrong place. Amen. So just made up when we got that money from Nordic Game and Creative Europe, which we weren't expecting either. Mm-hmm. I mean, I for that was my job for for months was like putting together this brief design document, it was like 36 page design document for what hunger was. I mean, it wasn't mm-hmm. just I me. Mean, obviously, we had an amazing our amazing artists and designers working and stuff but i was putting this thing together and as as i got it together i'm like that you know what man this actually sounds like a cool game i hope we (laughs) hope we get to make it and then it was like oh yeah you just won a whole bunch of thousands of kroners i mean oh shit now we have to make something with that so that's how we we managed to make uh the the hunger teaser and we took that to gdc and and wooed wooed bandai Mm -hmm. which again you like that 
what who really what bandai bandai namco bandai bandai and yeah yeah bandai it's just crazy of, like, childhood stuff yeah yeah man totally i mean it's just that you, you would who would think that would kind of happen be your first game that you're making you know mm-hmm. i'm like i'm always interested in like the beginning stages especially even with Harcia Studios making a few games and establishing themselves, you guys still have to kind of start over, especially with like the original IP kind of showing that you guys have an idea that can uh, take to fruition, right? Yeah. So the, those beginning stages of you putting together a pitch packet and and uh, shopping it around, what were the highs and lows of that? Where, uh, you know, of course it's fun kind of, gathering your best stuff and seeing it come together but uh i'm sure there was a lot of no's before yeses right uh what from us or from publishers you mean mm-hmm. you mean you mean no's from publishers yes 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 uh yeah i don't know i mean luckily i wasn't i wasn't uh trying to sell the idea to publishers because uh yeah that was that was other people's work at the time but i know there was certainly there was a lot of no's within the studio before there were any, which again is a process. We were like that. No, 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 no. And cause that, I think that was the thing. Um, like you touched on there. I mean, we were doing LBP and we did Tearaway unfolded and all this. And when you're working with something within someone else's idiom, there's a nice safety net there, you know? Oh yeah. We're so exclusive. And mm-hmm. Emma made all of the did all the hard work and we'll just do our stuff. We could make our own thing if we wanted, but you know. And then you get the chance and you're like that. Uh, there's so much more. Because you know, yeah, we put a cool pitch together and stuff. But once when we started putting this design doc together, then you have to figure out, hang on, is is this a game? Where's the game in this? Because yeah, we we can put great art together. I can I can write some great words which you'll, you know get all people excited mm. but at the end of the day when you look behind that there has to be a game there so there was that was a lot of angst there is is making sure that we're getting this chance here we've got to we've got to nail it so yeah there was there was a whole load of no's at that point where mm. we really kind of make sure that the money we were getting and this chance that we had to do it properly we were gonna we were gonna do the best we could like uh, but as far as publishers goes I don't know. Mm-hmm. And did you find a, a similar, I guess, initial selling point or trying to discover like the gameplay in, you know, putting together the pitch and getting your team ready to start making static? Because uh, it, it seems like it could be another one of those games where you're like, oh, dang, like we have these cool ideas. We have this great art. <laughs> we're going to explore the inner psyche of the mind. But how <laughs> is that going to be fun? You know what I mean? I guess before you actually made the game, were you having those similar kind of Static, static to me it, it's only in retrospect when i look at the, the two games i can see similarities mm-hmm. in and obviously that's going to be because we've got sim- similar minds working on this stuff like but um but that one i i was in straight away yeah i mean that that i am all up for that like and it was a much smaller team we were about eight people nine people uh, and I hate to say it, but it was our CEO that came up with that idea. Hey, what is <laughs> not the one that made it good. <laughs> that guy. Thankfully, we took it from him before he could ruin the idea. Exactly. But he, 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 
it was when we just got over the, the dual shock four mm. and he's sitting there because he, he is a coder as well so you know he's uh, at that point he was trying to figure out something cool to do with the, the dual shock four and he's like mm, what can we do with this uh oh and that was the idea mm. exploring a controller and and that was where Static came from. But back back then, before I was brought in, it was uh, like a horror game because that's where you go straight away, don't you? Your hands are trapped in the box. Oh, it's going to be like sore or something like that. So it was really kind of gr- grotesque and that. But um, then then when we got the people together, we were of a, of a similar mind and it became a lot more kind of existential horror uh, um, about, yeah, your relationship with technology and... I'm feeling alone. Uh, you got you sold me. Tested. I love it. Have you played it? No, no. I'm saying like just basically talking about it. <laughs> you, you still, I don't have a PSVR. Oh, that's what everyone tells us the same reason. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we should bundle a copy of the PSVR with every copy of Static sold. <laughs> I would love it. But no, dead proud of it. It's it's a uh, it's a smaller smaller title, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're no less proud of it. Uh, do you know they came out in the same week as well? Oh, really? That was such bad planning on our part. <laughs> we were, like looking at the schedule, going, "Hold on a minute." Oh god! <laughs> so, like Static came out, I think, on the Monday, and then Little Nightmares came out on the Friday the same week. <laughs> so yeah, that was a that was a barrel of laughs. <laughs> Yeah, I was gonna say um, when you were like, "Oh, our CEO came up with the idea." I thought you were gonna lead into that pitch where, like, you know, he's got the the coffee mug looking over someone's desk. He's like, "No, no, no! You know what you should do? <laughs> Here's your game. <laughs> you know what I mean? Add more game to it." Yeah. <laughs> My old boss says, "Put some fun in this corner over here." Like, <laughs> I, w- I won't name names, but like when I was at Warsaw, we had a, a guy who wasn't in game development side of things. He came up and. It's like all these crashes, guys. Can you not just put something in the code that says "if crash go to"? Like that. Where, where have you been all of these decades of game oh development? God, that's it. Nobody thought of that. Oh Amazing, man. Yeah, you're if welcome. crash. You <laughs> should make a T-shirt. That's, that's a T-shirt. That has potential. If we could give me a day if with crash, it. Go to don't. <laughs> <laughs> one of the things well, one of the things that we always hear about obviously this was a passion project and the board passion gets thrown a lot especially in the bigger companies falsely right but like when it isn't like a team of 20 people and this is something that you guys you know not necessarily in a bad way but you kind of have to work with like a chip on your shoulder you have something to show right you got something to prove and uh and so that inevitably, you know, you spend an extra time in the office making sure that it's of the utmost quality. And um, and uh, there's a, I feel like there's a difference with a lot of listeners out there because a lot of the times we talk about like crunch time and the horror stories of that. We associate it with mostly the bigger studios, right? As forced upon. But, uh, you know, this is a great point to kind of, uh, showcase that with smaller teams smaller studios with something that actually they want to say it's a little bit different right whether this is kind of like uh 
voluntarily crunching, which is kind of necessary because you guys are all doing the jobs of like two or three people each, right? Mm. Um, so how long was the development for from pre-production to end of production? How long did it take to make Little Nightmares with 20 people? Uh, yeah. I can't say specifically now. I mean, maybe like two, year, 18 months, two years, something oh, wow. like that. Are if, <laughs> if, if, if you research this and find I'm wrong, mm-hmm. I will. <laughs> but I think it was thereabouts. Um, but no, I mean, it's interesting you say that because I think if you look at the two projects, Side by side, little nightmares and static. I would say, sorry, my cat's going absolutely mental outside. He's looking at me with just terror in his eyes. Why are you doing this to me? Where's the food? So they hate you. <laughs> um, yeah, like little nightmares. It was a bit half and half. I would say, like there was elements of, yeah, like I've said already, like people who don't want to put things out that felt half done or not, you know. Uh, indicative of their their work and their standards but also I mean you know you're working with a publisher and a big publisher and they have deadlines and we agree upon these milestones and so it's not like oh hey guys you know whenever you like be creative like that no get this shit done man if you have to stay late then do it and it's fair everyone really should come into the industry with their eyes open in that respect I think Mm -hmm. Some stuff when you're talking about the massive studios and people just don't have a life for God knows how long, that's not okay, I think, you know. Or at least, again, join that studio knowing bye-bye life. Mm-hmm. But, uh, no, I mean, with those, with that, with, with Little Nightmares, it was a bit of both. Uh, and fair, I think it's fair enough, as long as you agree on, on fair milestones and anything that kind of gets extended, again, you have another discussion, don't you? But with Static... We had a completely different experience. That was made with Sony Strategic uh, content, who just basically they were very, very picky over who they, the studios, the, the studios they worked with. They bought into the idea, and again, we agreed on what we were going to deliver. Mm-hmm. You get money, and then they, it was amazing. They, they didn't want to know. They were like, "That's cool, man. Let's have it. That sounds like a cool idea." And we were just in absolute heaven. Hey, we had we've had an idea. Can we do it? Oh, okay, yeah, that sounds mental, man. Go on. <laughs> so that was like real, real creative freedom. I would say with that one, and and sadly, the people we worked with at Sony Strategic aren't there anymore. So we're we're devastated. Yeah. I was just about to ask yeah. you, who did you work with? And like, get out my pad. That <laughs> Sony that you. Ben, ben Andak. Ben Andak was our producer from Sony Strategic, an absolute top top fella. Um, and yeah probably like my best experience ever like start to finish working on a game and that's mm-hmm. taking nothing away from uh band you know namco bandai bandai god they're gonna kill me for getting that wrong way around because <laughs> they're, they're great to you know they've been great to work with as well but yeah sony strategic was pure just mm-hmm. perfect yeah. You hear that, uh, indie devs? Go ahead. Bring them back. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I want to ask you a little bit about the writing because you said if we go back to where your career starts, your brother gets you a two-week stint. Um, I think you were saying you were doing QA initially. I guess, okay, so where did you make your first transition into actually offering development services for a game company and what was that first role? 
Um, what, what you mean when I got out of QA? Yes. What was the like? Um, all right, I'm contributing content to a game, and I am a like designer. Or were you writing already? No, I mean I've always been writing, but not in a kind of professional capacity. But um, it was when I was at Travelers, I got into digital marketing by accident. Okay. Like as everyone should. <laughs> I realized it had gone wrong. And so I got back in touch with uh, an old colleague from Warsaw, Paul Flanagan, who was then, you know, had a production of Traveler's Tales. I started begging him. I said, man, I'll make the tea. I will clean the toilets. I will do anything. Mm-hmm. Let me back in. I've made a terrible mistake. And after six weeks of, of mailing him basically every day, he's like, oh, Jesus, man, all right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in for an interview. Uh, so I started working there on a game called Prince Caspian. Mm-hmm. And from then I moved to TT Fusion, which was like the, the um, sister company of Traveller's Tales. And so they were making all the console games of, uh, of the Lego stuff. Mm-hmm. There is where I started working as a designer. So I worked on Lego Batman. Nice. The, and PSB. Nice. Then I did Lego Indie 2, you know, incorporating the wonderful fourth installment of Indiana Jones. How was, so how was the Lego experience? So Legos is always like there, right? The Lego games, and they're always well done, but it's yeah. never like top charting, but it's just there consistently good. Yeah. Yeah. How was that experience working on those type of things? Dependable. Yeah, very it was amazing. It was amazing. I mean, like as far as I mean, I didn't have any uh formal education that you can get now in, in like terms of like game and level design. Mm-hmm. I got an old fashioned way, like going get it, do QA and then you you know people and, and all that. So it was amazing education for me. I was like working with people I, I knew already as well. Uh, and they put me in touch with like really, really experienced designers and they just eased me in, you know, it was like, yeah, this is how cameras work and this is how we kind of place objects and blah, blah, blah. And as I kind of got the hang of different elements of of level design, it gave me more and more and more. So it was really, really nice experience. Um, And I'd loved it. I'd like, I'd played the the original Lego Star Wars Mm. and I absolutely loved it. I don't love it much now. They don't feel quite the same to me. Yeah. I think ever played ever since I played Lego Lord of the Rings, where they started using like actual footage and, and like dialogue, wasn't it? Actual dialogue from the movies. Uh, like that. Nah, it was always like a cool, silent, uh, slap movie thing for me. Like the Lego stuff, but, uh, but no, it was that good. It was it was a really really nice nice way into to the, the principles of of level design and game design. And done. Boom. Check me out, man. Look what I made. What did you make? Let me see this stuff. I made none of this. I actually just arranged it all, but thanks to Quixel, I can claim that I've made this pretty cool little environment in my own little test level pretty fast, actually. So, but it looks good. You can't tell, though. That's the funny thing. Oh, I've heard of Quixel. Quixel is the photogrammetry asset and texture library, right? That you can use for your own projects. We happen to have a code. I don't know if you know about this, Larry, but we have our own GDU code that gives you a percentage off. Again, it's GDU10. Mm-hmm. Just make sure you enter that code at the checkout. It will give you 10% off for the first year. So this is a big code because it's a discount on a discount. Because uh, if you're not going monthly and you decide to go yearly, Quicks already gives you a discount 
mm-hmm. a percentage off. But with our code, it gives you an extra 10% off because we love you so much. So again, go over to quicksil.com on checkout, GU10. And then you're going to get your discount and move on with your life, making great art again. Yeah. You kind of came up through like an apprenticeship situation. How do you personally feel about that now? And would you offer the same for somebody who emailed you every day for six weeks? <laughs> the same opportunity. <laughs> that you're on the other side. I'll watch your answers. If it, if it was me, no. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't let me in. Who would do such a thing? Uh, the thing? The thing is like... Now it's it's so competitive, but I think I think Tarsha probably would if there was something if there was someone who had an aptitude for something, you know, like oh I played with this in my spare time. Would you give me a chance? We'd give them a chance and we'd see if they had something because for us it, it is almost as important that you've got like the right mindset that you you're inventive or imaginative or you just kind of want to make a certain kind of games and if if you've got the capacity to then learn the skills that, that will help you to pull that off, we would absolutely give people a chance. But mm. I mean, you get, you hear 90% of people you hear from, it's like, I love games. Can I, can I work for you? I love playing games like that. Yeah. Cause that's how it is. <laughs> hey, Hey, I, I love watching movies. Can I be, you know, head of Fox <laughs> work? But so there's got to be like a balance of things really. And it, you know, that's all. But yeah, we totally give people a chance. I think we, you still like QA is still a, a, a viable entry point as well. If you can, if you're happy to come in and try that, but we've got, there's a dead good education in, uh, in Malma called the game assembly. And we get a lot of, a lot of our people from there as interns, you know, but that's like a two, three year education where you learn unreal Maya, all the sort of stuff. Mm. Uh, and it's it's in a game dev situation so it feels like when you're working on a project there it's how it is in real game dev yeah. so you, you you know it, that's transition so competitive now you kind of have to be a little bit picky you wouldn't you wouldn't take me right but but yeah to answer your, your original question the first game i did writing on was at travelers it was on lego rock band of all things if you can imagine can believe that <laughs> right and all of shit that you read in Lego Rock Band, all of the background texts and all of the spoofy names and spoofy songs, everything. That was all me. <laughs> How did you get primed for, for that role? So I guess what I'm digging at is, you know, were you always, you know, a big into writing individual? Is this something you're discovering? Like, how did you yourself like, okay, this is the lane for me. It was the, it was the only thing I was ever good at. Uh. Right. I am it's, it's it's terrible, really, to, to not be good at anything else. But I just always loved it, and I got a kick out of it. And I didn't know I would get into game development. So when it did, mm. and then there was a chance to do anything, I, I my old design director, Mike Taylor, he's the one that gave me the chance because he knew I kept moaning about it, like just let me do anything, let me write. And so he's like, "All right, do you want to write this nonsense then?" <laughs> so it, it, to him, it was just give me a big spreadsheet and stuff that he needed. You know, like I right. give ten thousand names for these characters. Like, okay, thanks, man. You know, and so that was my <laughs> way in. But, <laughs> um, so when it came to uh, to Tasha, again, it was as a designer on LBP, but um, they knew as well that I really wanted a shot and look. 
there was a shot on LVPV to said, yeah, we want you to have a crack at the story for this. And that was it then. Amen. Congrats. Yeah. Totally unplanned. <laughs> <laughs> and kind of kind of roll back to the student thing. Like it is very competitive where I would say like five, 10 years ago, where the entryway to from QA or from the streets, someone random just emailing was um, viable, but now it being such a high competitive area arena, we kind of need that funnel through the school system yeah. to help kind of just whittle it down to the serious candidates. And I always like and appreciate the, the studios that take a chance at the fresh crop and not have just seniors at a studio because you can get kind of incestuous yeah. in those type of studios and the same type of thinking. And in the game industry that requires innovative ways to kind of stand out from the rest, uh, mm. the blend of both old and new has always interested me. And uh, it's no secret that a lot of the studios that really succeed in, in great ways have that, that unique mix. Mm. It's a sad thing, though, but in this in the States, like a lot of our schools are closing down because the schools are a business over here, especially uh, um, for game design, game art are still vocational schools. They're not, you know, there's some universities that actually have programs, but uh, mm. so they're treated like a business so that um, for profit. And so they get students through loans and stuff. So there's a lot of schools on in the States that are closing down for that reason, where you know, the kind of swindle kids into paying for it without, you know, giving them actual jobs by, by the end of graduation. So it's a weird that's, situation that's over here. Mm. So I, it's, it's kind of on a, on a, I would say a downward spiral in, in terms of the game education side. On It's not thriving as it used to. In, in mm. left, right? That's yeah. really sad to hear though. Because I mean, it's, it's, it's a growing industry and it's something that, that people are more and more wanting to get into why on earth would you actually make it less available? Yes. And where I stand on it, I think an institution that actually cared about the education, like that, like education was first, like we want to educate people mm. would probably have no problem. Yeah. But it's when you go into it, like, Hey, here's an opportunity to make a lot of money. How are we doing that? Mm. Oh, we're going to do this education thing. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. That, that ends up being a lot of the reason why we see this type of stuff happening. There's no responsibility. Yeah, of course. There's no, uh, no. ethics. Mm. No, it's just, Hey, get as many people in as we can qualify for these loans and we'll figure it out. Yeah. Brilliant. <laughs> Wonderful people. <laughs> but it's also, you know, kind of in response to how the industry is shaping up. A lot of big studios are taking safer bets. Mm. A lot of like serialized type of uh, franchises. So when I look at, Tarsier Studios and what you guys are doing with Little Nightmares and those type of games that actually innovate and just bring something freshly new and still have a team that is reasonably small uh, and achieve like AAA quality. That is what I see the future of the industry going because the way we're cracking at things with like 400 plus teams. I mean, Amy Hennick from uh, Uncharted Fame was just recently in the news about that, how the way we're making games obviously don't work anymore. And so there's a lot of old guards kind of shifting their mindset uh, to survive, to, to, to make games nowadays, because even with credentials, uh, they're having a lot of trouble kind of just seeing a game production all the way through 
Because yeah. uh, big companies don't don't want to take that chance anymore. So you guys are really paving the way for the future of the studio. Like Little Nightmares is amazing. It, like I couldn't, I can't believe you guys only made it with 20 people. <laughs> it looked, <laughs> it looked like a yeah. big team behind that. I hope I'm not, I hope I'm not lying about that. <laughs> it's like oh, 300. <laughs> what are you talking man? If it was 50 people. Oh, <laughs> sorry. Sorry. Those 30 people for six years. <laughs> I wasn't no, talking I about you. I think it I think it was like about 20 people. Yeah, we weren't we weren't many at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, I mean I hope it goes that way because it, they're the kind of games that's but that's where it came from. Like what kind of game do we want to play? Yes. Don't wanna play I I I hate massive games though, so I, I am probably the worst person to talk to if you want anything like that's on the pulse as far as the stream goes. Like, I am not interested at all. I find it so, so dull. And a, and a lot of the kind of the stuff I enjoy about what we did with Little Nightmares and Static actually is this like, uh, like that, ah, come on, we can do better than this. We have to try harder. We, and we aim us to try harder. We can't just go, hey, you know, if you press that thing over there and then thing might happen it's mm. so what what am i a monkey am i just doing this you tell me what to do uh i do it and you <laughs> peanut. yeah i mean yeah it's it's nonsense so yeah we wanted to just go a little bit back to that and you can when you you you, you you're a smaller team you yes. know you're a smaller studio and there's less money uh balancing on you because then yeah like you say people go for the safe bets these are the things we know already. Yeah, but where did that come from? At some point, someone will have taken a risk, and that's where the mainstream came from. Right. You know, these things kind of evolved, and like, oh, you know, oh, I remember when I played Tomb Raider on the PlayStation, that felt like out of this world to me. Oh. But down the line, we've got the latest Tomb Raider, which I'm sorry, no, oh. do it for me anymore. You don't like Tomb Raider uh, Uncharted? No. <laughs> it's just, it's not that game anymore. It's not the game I knew anymore. Right. That's purely just out of diluting itself. And like what Uncharted ripped off Tomb Raider anyway. I know. And isn't that funny? <laughs> then Tomb Raider comes back and goes, ooh, that tastes it. <laughs> and, you know, what are you doing? You were better than this. <laughs> I grew up on single player narrative games and that's that's a sector that is being drowned out by the multiplayer battle royale games it's a risk Mm -hmm. like it's 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 unless it's made by a small team publishers won't bat an eye at a game like that uh Mm -hmm. seriously and it's you know in response to how streaming works nowadays and so game designers have to adapt to that uh in some way but there's there's a there's a balance there i definitely think that people can explore but mm. I'm I'm with you with the popular games. Like there is a huge crowd that are kind of uh, I, I wouldn't say well annoyed <laughs> with how the big games nowadays are kind of like this part of the same formula. And as I mentioned before, incestuous where they're kind of barring from each other, mm. and it's up to the little guys kind of to innovate before they take notice and steal from that like i'm probably the only guy around that does not really like the battle royale games right now Mm -hmm. like i tried most of them 
and it just feels like I'm just running around looting <laughs> and then I get shot. It's like, oh, I think, they, I think I see a guy. It's like spotting Bigfoot in my yeah. type of gameplay. And it's just not interesting. It's like, man, I, I, I kind of miss the Counter-Strike days where I can go in expecting to shoot someone yeah. and get my 20-minute thrill. But I'm spending 20 minutes just running around a big field now. <laughs> I'm like the only person that doesn't like it. And obviously, I'm, I'm an outlier because everyone in the world is playing Fortnite, Apex, everything apex is like huge right now it's huge right now killing the game yeah. but you know i don't collecting okay. collecting things is not gameplay to me <laughs> it's like yeah, but i mean I, I i tried modern warfare way back that was the last time i think i tried online gaming because that's far gone i am now mm. I had a go with that i was like <laughs> dead all right yeah. Again, that right? I'm never playing that shit again. <laughs> yeah. It's yes, you know, and it's it's mainly because I'm a bad uh, gamer. But uh, you know, it's also. I was going to say, let me uh, represent the fans and just say, get good, right? I am, I am there, man. Because I, I used to diss Rocket League so bad, like like the guy, the the main designer on the uh, Static, or one of them, uh, Bjorn. It was an absolute amazing amazing mind mm. um he is just quality incarnate at rocket league and i was it. i'm like oh, that's a stupid game for football with cars get out of it and I, I obviously i was rubbish at it so i hated it and then i like decided to try it and get good and i'm like oh that's actually quite good this isn't it and so i, I finally put those two pieces together Right. Yeah, so like get better when you you don't suck at them. <laughs> where I am in game design, and just hearing what Brandon was saying, right? He's like, I spend twenty minutes running around looting, and then I get shot, and then that's my experience, right? Like, if you want to engage somebody, even if you have a very high skill cap, the suck part of the game experience still has to be good. You know yeah. what I mean? Like the the training, the like, okay, I know I'm not good, I know I'm not co- on a competitive level yet, but my I'm still having a moment to moment experience that I'm enjoying. Yeah, and I think that that's the like the ideal golden scenario for me as a designer would be like, all right, you know what? Yeah, yeah, you probably don't know how to shoot these guns very well, but traveling and moving around our map has such flow and feel to it that you might even mm. just fall in love with that. And that will keep you around while you build up the other skills. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's the way I would try to look at it, I guess. I think for, for me, any kind of multiplayer, the only time I enjoy it is when it's local. I just don't I don't get the same kick out of people i don't see it might as well be really good bots mm. i'm on a couch or in a room screaming at someone for being a douche that's where the fun comes in we used to do that when i was at uh travelers i think it was we used to play Trackmania. Mm, track mania 16 or 32 people screaming at each other yeah, yeah, yeah. being a douche playing track mania and that was that was fantastic multiplayer action so yeah I, I need to be in the same room as the people i hate as a general well, I uh, I do have a game recommendation for you, actually, because I've spent 40 minutes talking to you, getting to know you. I know you started in writing. Not a big fan of multiplayer gaming. Do like short game sessions. So I have this really cool game I would like to recommend to you. Okay. Uh, we can play it right now, actually. So this game is called The Fast Five. I'm okay. going to ask you five yeah. rapid-fire questions, and all I need <laughs> from you are five rapid-fire answers. Oh, no, I'm, I'm tense. I'm tense. Are you, you ready to give it a shot? <laughs> God. All right. <clears throat> Question number one. Doom, 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 doom. What is your favorite game of all time? Ah, 
Pro Evolution Soccer. Okay. <laughs> well, that's that's good because that's gonna. That was an awkward laugh. <laughs> no, no, it's, it was expected, and you'll see why. Uh, question number two: least favorite video game system. Oh, Dreamcast. Oh, oh, oh I, I hated those controls. That hurts. Love the games, hated the controls. Get out of here. Wow, yeah, yeah. We're done here. That's, that's, oh, man. That hurts. <laughs> they weren't controllers. They were UFOs. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I get you. I get you. That's fair enough. The controls weren't all that great. The system likes near and dear. Question number three fictional series, show or book that people should know about? Ooh. Oh, that's. I can't answer that rapid fire. Uh-huh. Fictional theories that people should know about better things i don't enough people aren't watching better things have you seen better it? things it's it's, yeah. a, it's a show right now with pamela adlin yeah oh. all right see there you go you got all right there's a there's a series that you two should be watching all right i'll do it i'm gonna do my research yeah, after man, this. Watch it. question number four best place to take a winter vacation sweden man all yeah. the way north of sweden question number five Favorite football club? I get out. It's Liverpool all the way. <laughs> going to win the league. We're going to win the league. <laughs> and that's that's why I was laughing earlier because I was like, all right, I, I think I have an idea of like who we're talking to here. So let me give you an opportunity to shout out your team. So when you said Pro Evolution Soccer was your favorite game, I was like, perfect. Yeah, you did yeah. good. <laughs> it was a good time. It was a good time. <laughs> You know that that favorite series is gonna it's gonna keep me awake at night. That because I I've got about a million that I'd recommend. Mm. Well, yeah. you're more than welcome to come back when you think of two or three more. We we always have repeat guests. Mm. Yeah, I, I'll literally come on, say that, and then leave. <laughs> leave. <laughs> Drop the mic. I got one hour of things that you should know. <laughs> Watch one. Alan Partridge. Goodbye. <laughs> so. uh T-shirts here. Get your T-shirts. Brandon, you want one of these tight, awesome T-shirts that I'm wearing? Hell yeah. I like to wear mine loose, but uh, where do I get these these shirts? Well, I mean, if you didn't read the label, bluetramps.com, where we've got our little merch store open up now. People were asking about T-shirts. We finally did it right. We didn't just do T-shirts, but we also have hoodies now in case anyone wants to rock a hoodie. But again, Blue Champs is the parent for all the cool stuff that we're doing with Game Dev Unchained. You can go there and get our GDU t-shirts. You can get GameSchool Online t-shirts. All of our stuff in one happy place. Check out our really cool designs. And Game Dev Unchained has a dope shirt, actually, by the way. I'm really glad about how that one came out. Yeah, the Versus series are still ongoing. If you're in support of Larry or Brandon, buy a black or yellow shirt. I'll let you guys uh, make that association yourselves. So, uh, bluechamps.com, or if you want to go directly to our merch store, go to bluechamps.com forward slash merch to check out all the cool stuff that you can do and support the podcast. And it'd be great if you wear our merchandise while listening. Isn't that super meta? So, again, go to bluechamps.com or bluechamps.com. B L U champs.com the best way to remember is brandon and larry unchained champs.com so blue champs.com. Yes. Champs.com. i i want to go back to um um little nightmares about how you guys started to really once you guys got your publishers you were working on the game putting 
loving hours into it. Uh, fast forward to when you guys released your teaser. When was your first public announcement? Exactly. Um, after the teaser, or okay. I mean, the first the first anyone knew of it, or the you know, then we got some money for a concept. Was uh, I mean, I think when when we made the teaser, okay, we released. The week before, my, uh, a bunch of guys went to GDC. GDC teaser. So, uh, how was that reception? Uh, you guys expected such a? No, I mean, I think our art director was just—he just had a bit of a breakdown for a few seconds because everything was riding on it. Mm. You know? But we were we'd worked so hard on it and this was, you know, we all knew this was our shots and he just, when we pressed go on that video, he just said, he just sat there with a, a bottle of scotch <laughs> and, and then you just started to see thousands and thousands and thousands of people watching it. I mean, it's still nowhere near sneezing panda, which I'm a bit offended by, <laughs> but you know, we were made up with it anyway that we got like a, it was a few hundred thousand views like over like a mm-hmm. and people started to notice it. It started to show up on on websites that we've actually heard of. Mm-hmm. So that was quite a big deal, yeah. So yeah, it was amazing. And it was really nice for them to go to GDC with any kind of buzz mm-hmm. about the game, you know. Mm-hmm. And how did you guys get treated in the comment section? <laughs> Generally quite nice, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, I think it was almost completely nice there you go that's a huge indicator the right first there. time i did an interview where people saw my face i was terrified of the comment section <laughs> <laughs> because do you know what was lovely though the worst thing it, it was so it was surreal <laughs> it still makes me laugh to this day it was like i was scrolling down scrolling down and i was like oh uh someone oh one minute 37 dave mervick has no earlobes <laughs> like that. Huh, I don't, <laughs> but they felt compelled <laughs> to yeah. tell the world that I've got no lobes. So yeah, as flames go, it was quite, quite nice. You always oh. notice, yeah, those ones. <laughs> what thing? Like what a thing to you know what I mean? I know. Ha uh, <laughs> ha! I embrace this stuff though. I, I don't. So it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> No one ever, I would never know because I would never even think to look or to like, you know what I mean? It's one of those things I, where you would read the comment and then you have to go back like, oh, okay, I guess so, yeah. I know, and I'm just thinking like, how quickly did they have to get up on the comment section just to let people know? <laughs> oh, first, yeah. first about the lobes. <laughs> These are professional trolls. Man. <laughs> Dude, internet kudos goes a long way as far as an endorphin dump, like, I'm not going to lie. I've, I've had my fair share of battles in the comments and there's nothing really? better of a time waster validation. When you see like six, seven <laughs> thumbs up on your little snarky yes. little comment. You're like, yeah, that's right. Let <laughs> <laughs> me go back to my shit life. Yeah. But I won the day with that comment. about the good looks. <laughs> I thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you definitely. It's one of those things you got to embrace it all—the bad and the good with the comment section because oh, I, I don't want any part of it. <laughs> you got to have it all. No, I don't want any, any part of it. It's a horrible <laughs> world, but the world of comment sections. 
And sometimes, you know, you get like people who will defend you. They'll be like, well, you know, who gives a shit? You know, but this, this is the thing, though. And this is why I have no part in Twitter or any of that stuff because it's lovely when people say lovely things about you. But if you let that make you feel better, then you, it also kills yeah, you. Open yourself up. Mean. And I can't live my life like that. I don't, I, I can't, I like give too much of a shit about what people think about me to let the world have an opinion. Mm-hmm. I would be an absolute microbe after one day so uh yeah sorry sorry twitter (laughs) (laughs) that just sounds like a a, like a chrome extension filter (laughs) it's just only (laughs) good things (laughs) yeah it is though isn't it it's your little safe space that we had on south park (laughs) filter out all these words a lot of red marks that you don't see like censored Hey, that's a good one, actually. Yeah. Uh, have you seen that Black Mirror episode, you know, where yeah. people are able to mute, mute yeah. each other? Right, right, right. Everyone's saying that you don't like, you just mute them. That's, that's basically that world. Wasn't that like a, uh, what was that show? Black Mirror episode? Yeah, that's what Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Black Mirror episode, right? Yeah. 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 I love it's Black coming. Mirror. It's coming. Everywhere. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. I can't get enough. I actually had a bad yeah. Never mind. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think. <laughs> the early the early series I think were stronger. It's all good TV for sure. But I think the early the, the first two I think were just fantastic before Netflix kind of got hold of it. Yeah. It's only gone down in quality, but like, it, White Rabbit is absolutely absolutely mm-hmm. phenomenal, as is fifteen million merits. I think so, they break my heart. For me, really quickly, first two seasons, I feel bad that I binged watched them because I was really depressed. Season three was strong because, like, oh, okay, yeah. there's there's mm-hmm. some happiness in there. All right, we're mm-hmm. good. I can I can. Do yeah, that. and it was nice actually, wasn't it? What was it? The one where they, um, I think, hang the DJ and uh, hang the DJ was the one before that. Fantastic. Was good. Paul Sam, yeah, it was Junipero. a place, wasn't it? San Junipero. That yeah. was it. Yeah. They were both really good, actually. Yeah. Like, hey, thank you guys. Ah, oh, that's. Yeah, you, you need a little bit of light, don't you? Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I think it's been nice that he's leavened it with uh, with a bit of optimism, but I just don't want it to go a little like too much that way. Yeah, yeah. it was also nice to not feel alone in the world. Like when you someone else has a bleak outlook, you're like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so, what was the motivation behind Little Nightmares? Was it like a was it s- stories that you guys liked from before, movies that you guys were inspired by? Was it the art came first and the story came second? Like what was the I, order? I would say I would say yeah, the art came first, but it but it comes from a shared um, worldview. I would say it's like a, a pretentious way to say it. It's like we all kind of got together because we kind of want to make the same kind of games, and we all like see things in a. At least we kind of experience the world in similar ways and stuff. So when we were talking about what the world could be and what the characters could be, we didn't really battle too much in that respect. Like Pello and Marcus and uh, Jonas, the concept guys, they were like producing this unbelievable stuff. And like, so then it became my job to kind of create lore and like, why do these characters look this way? Well, I knew pretty much that Pello would be totally behind why they look like my reason for why they look this way mm. and so it was like it was just kind of like it's it, it's a little bit like again i hate that i'm gonna say this, but you know when you're jamming mm-hmm. musically 
if people kind of do something cool, you're not expecting you bounce off it. And it is, it's just that it's a really nice kind of way to, to work. Someone does something that inspires you and then you kind of do something back and then they work on that. And stuff. So, yeah. I do notice that with, in my experience in smaller teams, more so than bigger teams. And I don't know exactly why that is. I think, feel like it's money related <laughs> with bigger teams there's a lot of there's a lot of elements outside of making the game i feel mm-hmm. that uh goes into the game you know how does the publisher feel how's our marketability uh how does this position myself uh better in the company if it's not my idea how do i polish it so it mm-hmm. becomes more mine and i can present it better mm-hmm. you know so a lot of those seem to happen more at the bigger studios I've been, but the smaller teams I have, it's always been kind of like what you said, jamming where you inspire others with your idea and you're just like creating this huge snowball by the end that everyone's really proud of. It just builds into like a, a bigger and better idea and everyone's polishing each other's work. Yeah. And egos. And egos, right? <laughs> yeah, no, it, it is. A, it's a really, it's the ideal situation really. If you can get that, that like, again, I I really feed off people liking what I do and I don't expect people to like what I do. I don't, I don't have that colossal ego, but like, I know I love what I, I love what I'm writing and I love writing it. Oh, did you see the, there she is. Oh, just chilling. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So like, I basically just enjoy what I'm writing and then, then I panic when I'm, I've got to hand it over. But then no feeling like it when someone says, man, that's amazing. That's ace. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. You're like, ooh, cool. So, okay, well, how do you feel when one of your colleagues says the opposite? It's like, hey, man. Uh, you're wrong. <laughs> shit. You don't know anything. Fire. <laughs> I can't fire you. Uh, get out. Oh, I'm fired. <laughs> oh, what are you responsible for? Okay, cool. I'm gonna write out that feature in the story. <laughs> yeah. I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna make friends with the CEO, and he can fire you. <laughs> no, it's like I don't know. Mm. It hurts. It always hurts first, right? And it it, it does. It does. But generally, the uh, when they tell you why, then you're like that. All right, I agree with you. You know, yeah. you, generally, if something's crap, you know. Yes. You just don't want other people to know as well. Right. You're and like squinting at your know. Yeah, like that. How's this? Is this fine? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know. Yeah, like, no, it's not fine. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, but it's usually like we have some really good kind of talks about it and you go back and if you get good feedback, again, there's nothing like it because you go back and it's better than you could have done it first time around. So right. So, yeah. And that's the thing I feel that probably lends into a crappy game becoming a crappier game where you don't get the yeses from your team first. Like you build this product and you're always thinking mm. about the audience, but people tend to forget the first audience is the team itself. And it's very yeah, totally. hundred percent off because yeah. I, we shipped squintingly games and handed it over to fans when you know, there's a large portion of the team that don't like the game, right? Mm. And, and it's it's very telling 
to how the Metacritic score and how people receive it. It's it's just building on shit, really. Yeah, that's a re- that's a really good point. Actually, a couple of games going through that right now. Yeah, <laughs> I would argue, and I would argue that the the team loving it and the studio loving it is is more important than thinking whether the audience will love it because your focus is off them. Yes. Got to be a reason. If your studios come together for any reason, it's because you're of a similar. Stop it, man. Just stop yeah. it. Okay. <laughs> um, He's got an answer too. For a certain reason. So demanding. <laughs> um, so, and you know, like if your team is banged behind it, you've got to stand behind it. Then at least, at least you stand for something. Then, but if all you're doing is thinking, oh, maybe this this scored well in the. Uh, the audience appreciation test that we did. Oh, well, let's do that. Well, that's a great creative reason for doing anything, isn't it? Mm-hmm. If, you, if you're all excited by the thing that you're putting out, it's, for me, either you know nothing if the audience hates it, or at least you, you stood behind it. And I, for me, I, I think you're, you're absolutely right there, but I would say, sorry, audience, you're not important to our game. <laughs> hopefully, that's hopefully. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, hopefully they will see the the passion in what you put out, and they will they will love it then. But they have to come secondary to me, right? Because a studio, I think, can never guarantee the success of the game, right? Only the internal reception of it. Like, if they are proud, if we're we as a team like what we put out, you can have a hundred percent of that, no matter what. Um, and so you just put it out and just see, really. And if it's something you're proud of, at least you can walk away from that being yeah. proud. Of it. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I'm, a, I'm, I'm describing an ideal situation, really, though. I mean, because mm-hmm. there's so many studios who are just a bunch of people who are turn up for work every day yes. and do it and go home. And if all of they, if they all agree that something's good, there's no guarantee that it is. So I mean, you have to be in a studio that has. Uh, has a reason that it's making games. Yes. Then if you've got like an auteur making movies, it's more interesting than just some studio churning out crap after crap after crap. So you do have to have that passion and there's a reason that people come to your studio. And when you have that, then you can maybe forget about the audience. Otherwise, yeah. Yeah, so I'm hedging my bets there. I don't want to offend anyone by saying, you know, we don't really put them first, but... We do by not, if you know what I mean. Yeah, right, 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 right. By listening to ourselves. <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely. And you're protecting the integrity of your product by letting the professionals do it. Yes. <laughs> and you can't innovate by playing off the audience. You got to have to take the risk. Yeah, that's it. Because, I mean, sometimes people don't know what they want till they get it. And I think mm-hmm. that's a lot of the trouble with with media in general now is like one person takes a risk or one group of people takes a risk everyone else goes oh that's popular we we also love this now Battery. that's it yeah yeah that's it but it's the same with everything well you know harry potter was popular for some reason but now you you have endless supernatural series of books yeah it's just oh twilight was popular what else can we do uh werewolves yeah, something. yeah. There was, there was a weird someone else taking a risk with something. Was there? <laughs> I was just a guess. There was a weird werewolf phase after vampires, so that they tried oh. to like really 
push but didn't work as well. Yeah, it's not as romantic uh, a myth though, is it really? As vampires, yeah. werewolves, it was just turned into dogs. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Cool. Uh, are those flea bites? Stop licking yourself. <laughs> yeah, it's not as, not as romantic. Yeah. Hey, what are you sniffing down there? Oh, sorry, <laughs> sorry, man. Yeah. You're not even a dog. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was uh, looking at my clock, and we have successfully been podcasting for over an hour. And I know the time flew by, but we made a deal at the beginning of the podcast. Brandon and I would just shut the hell up and give you an opportunity to take over the soundboards, talk directly to our audience to shout out, promote, raise awareness, or you know, just you know, get people excited about something that you're excited about. So without further ado, sir, the floor is yours. I told you I would think about this and I haven't, but now I, I uh, do you know what I'm going to say? I'm going to say, please go out and buy and play Static because not enough of you are. All right. We are super proud of that. You, So many people don't know that the people who made Little Nightmares also made another game. So go out, buy yourself a PSVR, treat yourselves. Mm-hmm. Be afraid. How do you spell static just for the people who are listening? Uh, S-T-A-T-I-K. Thank you. You see, we put the K on the end to sound a little bit, you know, useful and cool. Oh, it definitely helps for search engine optimization. <laughs> like, okay, static of the C, like, oh, tide, bounce. <laughs> you know? <laughs> you know what sucked, though? When we, like, we came out with the little Nightmares teaser, it was called Hunger, and that, that was actually part of the discussion. Mm. To change the name because when people search for hunger game, come mm. up like that. Damn you! <laughs> That's a battle royale again. Uh, oh, yeah. that was the source of all evil, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Hunger games. I blame Hunger Games for well. Fortnite and H one Z one and all that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> the battle royale modes, at least. Anyway, uh, well, if that's all you want to shout out and promote, then I'm gonna let that yeah. be all right. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna play favorites, I'm afraid, because hey. million um over a million people have played Little Nightmares now. So static needs a few so well. There you go. Need some love over there, yeah. Yeah, give us some love, man. Give us some love. Alright. Well, I'm Larry Charles. I'm saying goodnight. This is Brandon Fam. See you guys next week. Uh and I've been Dave Mervic. <laughs> love you. <laughs> So thanks for listening to our podcast. I hope that you're a subscriber, but if you aren't, please feel free to follow us on any of the major podcast platforms, especially iTunes or Spotify. You can find show notes and more resources available to help you become a successful game developer. Just go on over to our website, www.gamedevunchained.com. If you're interested in keeping the conversation going, then definitely come check us out in Discord where we chat in real time for After Show Tuesdays to discuss episodes and Feedback Fridays where we share screenshots on the projects that we're currently working on. If you go over to Patreon.com, you can support our podcast financially. And if you do so, you get access to Life Unchained, our on-the-pulse, unfiltered game dev gossip content that we make exclusively for our Patreon supporters. And as usual, you can keep in touch and follow our happenings on Facebook and Twitter. That's Game Dev Unchained, the podcast.